Right, a shopping list. Bread, milk and butter is what I need from the shops. Some tea bags also. Lovely, that's everything on my to-do list transferred onto multiple other lists I can distribute around the house and lose. Ooh, an email. How exciting. Let's see. Ah. Oh. My dearest Alfie Bums, it is time. Please join us in the conference call room at your earliest convenience. To aid your travel, I've arranged for someone to come around and give you an injection. Not really. That was a joke. Right, let's see. Where was I? Ah, yes. Act 2, scene 3. <clears throat> Prithee, master, but hast thou lost a bicycle clip? Why dost thou ask, O pathetic slave? For I found one outside with your name on, and... Well, who could that be at this hour? Begging your pardon, mister, but I have a telegram for you. A telegram? Who sends a telegram these days? Couldn't say, sir. But I do have instructions to stay in case you need assistance. Really? Well, come on in then. Okay then, let's see. Oh no, is it really that time again? So soon? What's wrong? It's a conference call invitation. Shall I fetch you a phone? Oh, no, just tell me how brilliant I am. What? Trust me, it'll work. But I've no idea who you are. No matter. I'm nothing if not prepared. Read it from this. Okay. You are a titan of the thespian arts, Mr. Candish. A true artiste. Oh. A really? Honey. Yes? Did you just tweet me? Yep. You know I'm sitting just here, right? I know. Well, what's going on? Just read the tweet and drink up. All right, uh, conference call time. I have spiked your drink. See you there. What? It's only a mild sedative. You'll wake up in a few hours feeling fine. But how are you going... Right. Now to sort myself out. Damn. Let's try the bigger one. Jiminy's sake. I know. Where did you put those classic series DVDs? Ah, uh, Ghostlight. Ah, you've arrived then. She's changed the place. I haven't seen flock wallpaper in years. Yes, that's my fault. I thought it was sheep related. Easy mistake to make. I thought Shagpile was... Anyway, shall we get on? Recording ahoy and all that. Sure thing. Alf, let's do a sound check. Okay. I can't hear anything. Where's the little doobie that plugs into that thingy? And the mics, actually. And this seems to be a cardboard cutout of a laptop. Oh, come on. It's a dream world. It should all work. Right? Oh, 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oodcast, episode 19 of series 5. It's our big series finale. Oh, my goodness. What, Laura? What? 23rd of November. <laughs> we had one of those last year. Yeah, but this one's going to be the best one ever. It's the... a week after the Oodcast Live at the Questus Theatre. Is that what you're talking about? No, that could be it. It's also the day that my work holds some big event that I'll probably have to work at. <laughs> oh. Which is rather irritating. <laughs> who, who needs a job, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, job schwab. <laughs> so, around the table this week, we have... Let's see, who should I choose first? Mm, Chris Alpha is sat directly opposite me, lengthwise across the table. I'm not sat lengthwise, no. but, I, but I am here. That and would I be am cool opposite. if you were, wouldn't it? <laughs> I can just, just imagine you doing that. We don't need any of this equipment, do we? No, we just lie across it <laughs> as if it is a comfortable mattress. Hello, everyone. I just am here lounging on my chaise long Chris, of oodness. Chris is actually sat on a wooden fold, foldable chair, the sort of chair you'd have bought in maybe the 60s for a garden. And to my right is Laura. Hello. Um, she's wearing a, what's that, turquoise top? I would call it teal, actually. Teal. Mm, teal. Okay. With a lovely IF campaign badge. IF, the campaign to end world hunger. If you don't know about it, go online and have a look at the IF campaign. Nice. Well done. Very worthy. And Chris Sigma has got the great big comfy swivel chair. The sort of chair that... A starship captain might use on yeah. a 60s sci-fi programme. That's how bond, I like to or, think or, of it. Or a Bond villain with a big fluffy white cat. Yes. That's right. It's very low to the ground. It is padded and I can spin around on it. So what we're saying is you're a swivel-chaired loon. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good bit of UK political satire there, everyone. Sitting on a chair, singing a song about sitting on this chair, waiting for the Doctor Who podcast alliance meeting to begin. Excuse me, young lady? Yes, old man? Don't be impertinent, child. You haven't seen my granddaughter, have you? Short hair, twisted ankle. I don't think so, sorry. Never mind, I'll find her. If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Are you a podcaster too? I suppose I am, after a fashion. One of the originals, you might say. I like your walking stick. That's a microphone stand. My mistake. You have a nice camper van too. I hope you find your granddaughter. I'm sure she'll turn up eventually. Goodbye for now. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Can you play De Hullerache Kucht in meinem Herzen? Oh my giddy aunt. I suppose I could try. I can never get the fingering writer on a recorder. Oh. It's a big one, isn't it, Jamie? My name's not Jamie, it's Laura. Sigma. And yes, it is a big one. It's probably a base. Under siege, I understand, my dear. Look here, old chapel bean. Is that dreadful racket strictly necessary? Are you alright, Miss Sigma? She's perfectly fine. She doesn't need you driving in uninvited. Now look here, you... Dandy. Clown. Big nose. Scarecrow. Chopsy McBowlcut. Mr. Sheepyhead. Scruffy looking uh, herder. I do beg your pardon, madam. I'm just joining in. 
It sounds like fun. Would you like a jelly baby? No, thank you. When I eat them, it makes me sad for the jelly parents. I think it's unethical. Fair enough, I suppose. I mean, do I have the right to wipe out a whole intelligent form of life? I'd be no better than the Daleks. Are you a podcaster too? I'm a video podcaster. You don't understand the implications. I'm not merely auditory. I walk in eternity and video myself doing it. If you could keep that exactly that distance away and have it here, the video podcast would fit inside the audio podcast. I'm getting hungry now. The moment has been prepared for. Would you like a stick of celery? Don't mind if I do. Mmm, this celery seems to have turned purple. Braveheart, Laura. Right, I'm off to play a spot of cricket. But isn't the meeting going to start soon? I can see podcasters everywhere. Let me count them. Not a very convincing argument, actually, One. because I could always Skype in on my phone. Two. So you see... Three. I'm not going to let you stop me now! Right. I'm going to get something from this vending machine. Adric. Oh, dear. Adric. It only takes coins, and I've run out of change. Change, my dear. I have change, and it seems not a moment too soon. Thanks. I want a carrot juice. That's I-7. Where's the I button? I... I... Has three eyes in one breath. Makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. I before E, except after C. That doesn't make any sense. Neither does that jacket. Boom! Quick, I've got the seats next to the biscuits. How did you manage that? I put down reserve signs in these chairs when the conference room was built 50 years ago. That seems a little... Genius. Manipulative. That's just semantics. So what do you podcast about? I spend most of my time in books. I love books too. Sorry, got a rush. Somewhere the tea's getting cold. Hey, look at the carpet. It's got little TARDISes sewn into it. I love humans. Always seeing patterns and things that aren't there. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Oh, he ran off. That was quick. He only appears in a short burst. That's just his style. Who are you then? I can feel it. The turn of the earth. The ground beneath our feet, spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and the entire planet hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. That's who I am. I'm not sure that answers the question. Why do you sound like you're from Canada? Lots of planets have a north. Never mind. Are you enjoying yourself? Fantastic. Thought so. Sorry, can I just squeeze past you to get to my seat? Absolutely. You take your time. Oh, this meeting is beautiful. Look at it. Amazing. I am. It is beautiful. You're right. Would you like a satsuma? I prefer a bite of your peach. Woof! I think I'm going to go sit over the other side. Allons-y! I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. Mind if I take his place? I guess so. Don't be sad. Life's a wonderful thing. Jammy dodgers, fezzes and whatnot. I suppose. I've been redecorating my boat, actually. I've painted some big cartoon eyes onto the bow to make it look like it has a little face. What do you think of that? Boat eyes are cool. I knew you'd understand. Then why do you still look so sad? It's just, all the podcasters I've met so far are male. Aren't there any female podcasters? Of course there are. You just need to know where to look. Chicks take time, lords, too. And sometimes we even unravel time when we feel saucy. You're not alone, Laura. There's a wide variety of podcasts with female hosts. Pardon? I mean, variety. Oh, whatever. How dare you? Well, I guess that just wraps up this sketch, but I don't know how to end it. I think that's one of the functions of the sonic screwdriver. Writers use it all the time. Try setting it to end sketch. Okay, how's this?
So then, so then, tell me what you thought about the name of the doctor. If that's what it says on his passport, yeah. it's a very long page. Am I the only one who blinked and thought just for a second, his name can't be please? Yes, I did for a second think I'd misheard and his name was something like Plas or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find the sight of a man begging for the lives of his friends quite sensual. Wow. So if ever you want to seduce my wife, all you have to do is make your friends in mortal danger and plead for their lives. Well, well, what I think Top you, tip. What I think you're saying is this is basically a recreation of how you proposed. Is That's that right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I hung everyone off a cliff in a, in a bus. Yeah. Yep. And was like, save them. Please. And I, was I like, have to say I was right furious. <laughs> <laughs> really furious about what oh being dangled off a cliff mm. in a bus it yeah. worked out well in the end though i really liked it i thought it was a hugely strong episode uh it had this incredible epic quality to it and i was absolutely wrapped up in it while it was on i thought it was brilliant did anybody else used to chew on a sponge in the bath when they were little yeah, yeah yes mm. yeah. and you know how kind of nice and satisfying that was about how you kind of wanted a bit more of it Somehow you wanted the sponge to be edible. I don't know. But the way that it felt was good. And that's how this episode was. It was like sucking on a sponge. Excellent. I was ecstatic that the uh, the title didn't mean we actually found out the name of the Doctor, but it was all about the name of the Doctor. Yeah. Now, was there any danger no, at all of it no, ever but being I, revealed? I, I, have, I had read a lot of people saying... I really hope we find out the name. I really hope this lives up to the promise of the title. The title is never a promise. I, d I just like the fact that it was it, it was about all of these things rather than revealing lots of stuff. Yeah, there it was, was the absolutely main about his name. And yeah. I, I loved that bit at the end. And I'm sure we'll get onto this in mm. more detail. No, but the fact is now. that every incarnation chooses the name Doctor mm. as a promise to themselves that they will do good in the universe. And there is one incarnation out there who failed to do that i reckon has to be the one that lived through the time war surely i am wondering if it could be that or if it could be a pre-hartnell doctor and that's the reason he chose the name doctor after what he did oh that's interesting and then he becomes the doctor that would certainly skirt the whole making up what actually happened in the Time War thing. Yeah, and it could also be the reason he had to leave Gallifrey. But mm. you might have noticed that John Hurt's Doctor was wearing Christopher Eccleston's leather jacket. Oh, was he? Yes, yes. he was, yeah. And, and there's also something else brilliant about it, which is that none of us really clicked that we... Well, I mean, we all know that we never saw the regeneration mm. from McGann to Eccleston, but we just sort of assumed that that was the case. So it that is a brilliant mm. stroke of writing from Moffat, yes. but we haven't ever seen that. That mm. is not actually, you know, it's not canon. It's not put down. He could insert an incarnation mm. there and it wouldn't change anything that we've seen. The 10th Doctor, I think, refers to himself as the 10th. And I think the 11th has certainly referred to himself as the 11th. He does in The Lodger when he points to himself after the headbutt uh -huh. psychic thing. Exactly. He says 11. So mm. the issue of, um, of, of John Hurt being the, the actual 9th, is resolved by the fact that he's not really the Doctor. He doesn't think of himself as yeah. So he would be, what, the fourth, ninth Doctor? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> With the Richard E. Grant Doctor and the... Yeah. or the um, oh, No, more than fourth, isn't it? Yeah, the Schalke Doctor is the Richard E. Grant one, isn't it? But then there's also that whole load of 
comic relief ones. Yep, they're all um, the Ninth sorry. Doctor. <laughs> I just think it's quite... I think it was very satisfying for me that it played out like that. Also because, let's face it, it would be pretty boring. It was like, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, introducing John Hurt as John Hurt. <laughs> Darkwin. <laughs> I really did like the fact that the danger of the Doctor's name is just purely that if it opens the Doctor's tomb, then the whole universe is in great danger. So it's the question that must never mm. be asked, because if you ask it, it opens the tomb. It's not the question that must never be asked for some strange mythological way back when mm. in the past reason. It's just that one specific door that must never be opened. I was incredibly satisfied about the idea that when a Time Lord dies, all that's left of them is the changes they've wrought on the universe, the mm. scar tissue, their own timeline. There's something amazing about the idea of a Time Lord dying finally and just leaving a timeline. And it was yeah. like the world's best lava lamp or like a fountain <laughs> made out of sparklers. It was really beautiful. Yeah, mm. graveyards on Gallifrey must look beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Everybody would want to go walking through them if but they didn't run the risk of being of ripped being into shreds. being torn apart. <laughs> they're probably usually like really boring straight lines because Time Lords aren't meant to interfere. Mm. There's lots and lots of people saying that this seemed to them to be the conclusion of River Song story arc. I didn't feel like it was. It didn't feel like an ending but to me, but apparently for lots of people it did. The the scene between them in the actual tomb, to yeah. me, that felt very final. It may not be the last time she turns up, but I think in the terms of the the Doctor's timeline, that may be the last time he sees her it could be final it well it it felt like a final goodbye Mm. i think it was an ending with a tassel on it because it's still got little threads that could go in all different directions (laughs) it was a pasty ending (laughs) if if it was the ending i'm glad they did it the way they did because it was actually a really beautiful scene i think that river song is simply the most heartfelt performance of new who she she's so cheeky and so flirty and she so obviously loves the doctor but she realises that he's, you know, he's always going to be a little boy, go running off and have his adventures, but she wants to mother him, but she can't. Mm. And she also thinks of him as this amazing God figure who is somehow always going to be distant from her. But she has this extraordinary uh, relationship with him, an extraordinary chemistry between the actors that just hits every note so perfectly for me. The way that she flirts and, and the way that she just feels so agonised in his presence sometimes. It's just extraordinary. She's and, very broken. I think yeah. she's very broken. Mm. And I know a lot of people have criticism of the role of River Song because when she first appears, she seems so capable and so far ahead of the Doctor. And as more is revealed about her character, we do find out that the reason the way she is is because she's dedicated her life to the Doctor. She becomes an archaeologist in order to find him all of what she does and all of what she becomes is a product of her obsession with the Doctor, which is a, a deeply tragic figure if you if you choose to read it that way. Mm. But I think the whole thing should have been undercut at the end of that scene by doing a reverse shot of what Strax and Jenny hmm. see when he's kissing her. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that would have been funny. Was I the only one who was amazed that I was not cross about the kiss? Because no. um, in, in Doctor Who lore... You know, the Doctor doesn't snog. But that was such a passionate, real I think you'll find snogage. in Doctor Who lore, the Doctor does snog. <laughs> but it's quite often for a reason other than um, love. 
Even so, the snog ship has well and truly yeah. <laughs> But this was such a genuine kiss and so heartfelt. No, you're felt, right. You're right. You know, it was a mm. different thing. It and was I thought, definitely... hello, those two lo- do love each other. And I felt, that's okay. Let's yeah. talk about women who are broken by the doctor. Because it does seem to happen to a lot of his companions. Is They're either mentally broken or physically fragmented. And that's certainly what happens to Clara in a way. Both? She's split all um throughout time and i just want to refer readers of our website to a comment that i made in early april where i said there are probably millions of clone claras scattered throughout the universe like grains of sugar on a bowl of porridge so there you go it was a great resolution to that mystery she's not some ancient trap or alien bit of software or anything she's just a girl Mm. who was there at the right time and was brave enough to go and save the doctor which i am very pleased about i think that's a great Mm. uh, resolution i was very happy with it but i'm amazed that she's built up enough of an investment in the doctor and in his ways that she's willing to do that because up until that point they've had quite a hands-off standoffish type of relationship haven't they you know she doesn't want to get in his box she makes what? very sure that she's only there for limited periods of time things seem to have changed quite a lot at the beginning of this one though because he's allowed to walk into the house and look after the kids while she's knocked out upstairs so something appears to have changed i think we should just assume they've been on more trips than we've seen i get the impression that the reason that she puts in all of these guidelines is because she's magnetized to him she is so drawn to him Mm. and the reason she's drawn all of these boxes around herself you know she doesn't stay in the tardis it's only every wednesday or every (laughs) wednesday he can get there it's because she fears for how much she feels for him how much she trusts him Mm. and of course indeed she does become the girl who throughout all of time and space safeguards him Theorising that one could time travel in the Doctor's own lifetime, Clara Oswald stepped into his time tunnel and vanished. She awoke to find herself trapped in the past and and future, facing haircuts that were not her own and driven by an unknown force to restore history for the better. Her only guide on this journey was River, an observer from the future who appeared via a sort of psychic link that only Clara could see and hear. And so Ms. Oswell found herself splintered into thousands of lives, striving to put right what once went right but now went wrong, and hoping each time the next life would be her life at home. I love the unlikeliness of that storyline. I, I love it as an idea. And this is what I do love about Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who. His ideas are so beautiful. The idea of of rewriting someone's entire history and then someone else going in to to rewrite it again, to put it right, is is such such a concept. I think he writes whole seasons like a really good piece of knitting. (laughs) You can see all the strands working Mm. together. And if you pull it apart, you might see a few holes, but Mm. at the same time, it's still lovely and fuzzy. Lovely and and jolly satisfying. That's Mm. that's what I like... Uh, a lot about this finale is that it feels like we've finally discovered that we've been traveling the whole time over the last three series towards what's happening in November. And it just feels like everything makes a bit more sense now. Do you think River's got some hand on uh, Clara's journey through the Doctor's timeline? Because they're mentally linked and she hints at something. I think she's sort of... 
I think she's meant to be there on Trenzalore to, to make sure she goes in the right place at the right time. Uh, at, at least that's what I, I think, having seen the episode. It's quite interesting, you know, who put her gravestone up? Was it her? Mm. Did she travel there at some point in the far distant future and chisel her mm. own name onto something Yeah, she probably did it retrospectively, yeah. No, that's time travel, isn't it? Oh. The Doctor now knows that that's the case and so when he comes to that final battle he'll be able to set that up himself what is it what in the middle of a final battle yes. oh here i've <laughs> got my masonry hammer with me <laughs> well someone did and it can't be river song because she's dead mm. well yeah, that's true speaking of her being dead and and death in this episode the idea that how easy it is to lose your loved ones and there's that horrible horrible scene where jenny is murdered um, mm. During the conference call, oh, I'm being murdered, Mom. Mm. <laughs> I know. Oh, that I was hated that. That's a, a chilling, horrible idea, isn't yeah. it? Somebody walking in whilst you're, you're on a conference call. That's happened to me before. People have walked in whilst I've been on a call, and I haven't known they're there and said silly things. But being murdered is a step above that, I expect. Yeah, that hasn't <laughs> happened to you, has it? I just take that. That. You know, you can see how uncomfortable she is and she's squirming in her seat and you know, you just mm. know that something awful is happening to her. Ugh, didn't like that. And then the absolute desperation of her wife and trying to bring her back and it not... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the close-knitness of the Paternoster gang and the fact that they're all strong women. Ha! Moth was strong. I was just about to say that. Well, who knows? Strax has never been very good with gender. Is, is incredibly <laughs> impressive. Anyone with a high pitched voice is a girl, and anyone who's like a bit strong and sort of carries a gun must therefore be a man. <laughs> Did we all enjoy seeing all doctors on screen? Yes, yes. I thought that was very cleverly done. And well. I love the fact that they're all running all the time, except for the first one. Yeah. I think the first one was the only one that I really enjoyed. Um, seeing the rest of them felt a little bit gimmicky to me. He was the only one that was there for long enough, really, and, and yes. had any interaction. I did feel slightly upset that the second and third Doctor's clips weren't from contemporary footage. They had to be from the five Doctors. But that colourisation of William Hartnell was so well done. Mm. And the interaction with Clara, uh, what a, an amazing piece of editing and colourisation and everything. And Clara... In her lovely Gallifrey dress. I know, it was <laughs> awesome. Mm. So the Whispermen, I mean, other than their fantastic sartorial flair, which I really appreciated <laughs> as, a, as a lover of the top hat, and their appalling dentistry, which of course I did not appreciate, and I thought, oh gosh, you know, they've got teeth, um, they've got teeth are very snaggly, aren't they? Very snaggly. But I thought they were a little bit too close to the trickster from Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm, well. And the gentleman from Buffy. Aren't the gentlemen the other way around? They don't have mouths, they've just got eyes. They just, they were, they made me think of them. Ah, uh, perhaps. But they did a, a very good line in hiding outside windows and just being seen out of the corner of your eye that, that the moth <laughs> loves. Ooh, creepy. No, stop doing that face, you're freaking me out. Okay. For listeners at home, Chris Sigma has just looked at Laura out of the corner of his eye with a horrible grin. All right, Dave. Pardon. I said all right, Dave. Sorry, I didn't catch that. What? Say that again. I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. You said something. I saw your lips move. How did you see my lips move? We don't have eyes. I only got about half of that. Could you repeat it? Could I complete what? Oh, 
nothing, just try to enunciate better. Maybe I should write it down. Perhaps if you could just speak up a bit. This is me speaking up a bit. Pardon? I'd like to give a nod to behind-the-scenes stuff. Some fantastic funereal and sad and emotive themes from Murray Gold. And some also some very sort of classic design, classic series design, particularly in the final sequences in the Doctor's timeline with all that swirling dry ice on the ground and the very brown hues. It felt very Brain of Morbius to me, which cheered me up because I'm of that era. And the inside of the giant decrepit TARDIS, you know, just being symbolised by seeing part of the word police backwards Mm. in just huge sky-high letters. Really freaky. I don't think this episode can be talked about on its own. It's the culmination of the series. So I'm going to say about the series that I thought it was a brilliant run of Doctor Who. I don't think there was a standout episode like there has been in other series, but as a whole it's been a stunning bit of television and i think Mm. one of the strongest we've ever seen and that this as an ending is just brilliant epic lyrical satisfying i just cannot wait for the anniversary i i loved it i loved it as an ending it feels like we're building up something even bigger which obviously we are and that's exciting my favorite line from the whole thing was uh surrender your your women and your intellectuals Mm. I felt it was such a combination of of strong themes and poetry and um, some some jaw-dropping ideas. I never felt we'd see the Doctor's tomb. That, to me, um, is as awful an idea as breaking up the TARDIS in the journey to the centre of the TARDIS. But also Stephen Moffat's humour. There's so many funny moments there which you laugh at without being jarred out of the sense of the story. Um, but, oh, the ending, just... I I never expected my jaw to hit the floor like that with an episode of Doctor Who. and never expected to really, really want to see the next episode right away. My goodness me. I thought it was a bit like Mercury. When you break a thermometer and you're holding Mercury in your hands or trying to catch it, it's fascinating it's beautiful mesmerizing the way it moves how quickly it moves how interesting it is how you wonder how it even works at times if you spend too much time around it it'll probably make you mad but it is in essence just beautiful so the haiku for the name of the doctor his secret whispered she follows the danger in becomes all we've seen and that is another series of the Oogcast. Thanks for <laughs> sticking with us for those last eight episodes. Um, and uh, we've really enjoyed it. I think this has been a very good series for us too. Yes, I expect so. <laughs> mm. Far be it for us to judge. But yeah, it was fun. That's true. Thank you to all of the podcasters that appeared in this episode. We're really thankful for your time. You're welcome. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, yes. Thank you to my three lovely co-hosts for everything that you've given me in all of the laughter and fun that we've had over the past few months. Um, I'm well. I'm going to say that I am going off to America for two months. I'll be travelling around the US. I'm starting in Philadelphia, and then I'm going to Baltimore, Alexandria, Blacksburg, Maryville, Nashville, New Orleans, Houston, Austin, uh, New York. 
um, and Chicago. And I'll be joining Chris in New York just after the 4th of July. That's right. Um, so if anybody wants to hang out over the uh, weekend after that, do let me know. And maybe we should hang out and you can show me some interesting New York things. Perhaps. I believe there's a Long Island Doctor Who Society cookout something that we've no been invited way. to. So Let's we might do see that. some people there. So it's goodbye from me, Andy. Bye, everyone. Have a lovely summer. Uh, goodbye from me for the summer. Yes, indeed. Toodle pip. Chin boy, 
Hello. I'm the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> 